So Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Chapter 11. Okay, so the late Ann Landers, you know she was a famous advice columnist. Did you know that she received 10,000 letters a month? And do you know what the number one topic was that she received? In fact, she was asked, what's the most common topic people write to you about? And she replied instantly, fear. Most people seem to be afraid of something, losing their job or their family, upsetting a neighbor, alienating a friend, or committing a public failure. Many are even afraid when there's no reason to be afraid. Ours is a world of fearful people. Ours is a world of fearful people. In 1934, a pastor named Martin Niemöller was summoned to the Berlin office by Adolf Hitler himself. When he got into the office and the door shut, Hitler tore into him for not supporting his programs and his policies that were being implemented at every, letter, every sphere of social fabric in Germany at the time. Pastor Niemöller explained very calmly, he said, listen, my concern is only for the welfare of the church and the German people. And Hitler just snapped. And he says, you take care of the church. I'll take care of the German people. And Martin calmly responded, you say you're going to take care of the German people? I'm going to take care of the German people too. We as Christians and churchmen have a responsibility toward the German people. That responsibility was entrusted to us by God, and neither you nor anyone else in the world has the power to take that away. Witnesses and those that documented this account said Hitler didn't say a word. But that night, the, Discapo, the Gestapos came to Niemöller's house uh, and arrested him. Days later, they blew up his church. John Wesley said, I am immortal until my work is done. Martin Luther, who was uh, in a church culture at the time that probably for about 300 years were teaching stuff that was uh, not in line with Paul or the New Testament and not in line with the gospel, and he had a reviving or an awakening of what the gospel really is, that it's not good advice, it's good news. It's not what someone does, it's what God does. It's not someone's performance, it's Jesus' performance. And that just completely turned his life inside and out, upside and down, and it was, a, it was, an, it was the beginning of a drop of a rock in a water that sent echoes of waves throughout all of Europe. And many call it the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. Well, he was being put on trial for his views, and most folks that came on this trial never made it. They were executed. And while he is facing that trial, he said, you can expect from me everything except fear or recantation. I'm not recanting anything. I shall not flee, much less recant. I will go to worms if there were as many devils as there are tiles on the roof of the houses on my way. Classic Luther, right? Winston Churchill was speaking before Parliament, and he was addressing the Prime Minister as a man named Ramsay MacDonald. And he's addressing him, and he turns to him in the midst of it, and he starts talking to the Prime Minister. So these words are to the Prime Minister. He says, I remember when I was a child, and I was taken to the celebrated Barnum Circus, which contained an expedition, exhibition of freaks and monstrosities. But the exhibit 
on the program, which I most desired to see was the one described as the boneless wonder. But my parents judged that spectacle would be too revolting and too demoralizing for my youthful eyes. So I have waited 50 years to now see the boneless wonder standing before me, sitting on the treasury bench. Good night. You got to love that though, don't you? All right, so Ecclesiastes 11, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, 1 through 6 is asking, in light of the uncertainties of life, how should you live? In light of the mad, mad world, in light of everything falling apart, everything fading, everything being absurd and everything being frustrated, everything being forever empty, everything being loaded with a potency of meaninglessness, how do you live? In Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 6, says, folks, we only got two options. The preacher says, you got two options. You can live like a boneless wonder, or you can live boldly. Boneless or boldly, those are the two options. And they're the only two options for you and me in this world. In light of a, an uncertain, vain, fallen, broken, wrecked world and wrecked people, we can live boldly or boneless. Please stand for the hearing of God's word. It's from Ecclesiastes chapter 11, we're going to read verses 1 through 6. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will be. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. This is the word of the Lord. Be Please be seated. So Lord, we acknowledge that um, we need you. We need you to shine on the page. We need you to fill us with your spirit. We need you to open our eyes with clarity. We need you to move in our heart with real depth and experience. And this is only something you can do. And so we thank you that you promised to do so in a special way through the preaching of your word. So, oh Lord, would you show up and produce change on the spot? And we ask this in your name. Amen. Okay, so all you Bible engineers out there are thinking one thing right now, aren't you? Hey, man, he skipped chapter 10. I want you to take a look at chapter 10. All right, you got your Bible, electronic device. I want you to see that it's 20 verses, and it's 20 verses with 20 different messages. And then everyone is skeptical about what the main idea or the big idea of those 20 different messages are. What keeps them together? What's the cohesive unit? What's the dominating thought? I'm coming to the conclusion that it's about leadership, but I don't know yet. So here's what we're going to do. 
We're going to tackle chapter 10 after I get back from London. I leave for London next Sunday evening. So we're going to look at this passage today. We're going to look at 11, 7 through 12, 8 next Sunday. I'm going to go to London. I'm going to come back, and we're going to look at 12, 9 to the end of the book. And then we'll go back and we'll tackle chapter 10. Okay, so that's the plan. Now, if I was editing or if I was writing Ecclesiastes, I would have had 11, 1 through 6 follow chapter 9, which we did last week. The reason why, what did we do last week? Remember? Luther, if Jesus was coming back tomorrow and it was the end of all things, what would you do today? And he said, I'd plant a tree. Chapter 9 says, people, there is a certainty of an end that is about you that is definite and cosmic and real and it's coming. It's called your death. And in light of your death and my death, the text says, how should you live? And you remember the answer? It's just as stunning as Luther's, I'll plant a tree, it was. God said in six commands, boom, 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 enjoy life. Nobody was expecting that one. You were expecting go to church, read your Bible. And that's part of enjoying life. But that was the command. So what's happening here now is in light of everything that's happened in, in Ecclesiastes, in light of a vain world, in light of all the uncertainties in life, how should we live? That's what this passage is about. All right, so let's get started. Are you ready? The answer in verse 1 is crystal clear. Here's the answer. In light of all the uncertainties of life, how should we live? Verse 1 says, live boldly, not boneless. Verse 1, cast your bread upon the waters. Are you, are you catching that? I mean, everyone knows what, bread does to, what water does to bread. Cast your bread upon the waters, right? This is all about what to do in the face of uncertainty. What do you do in the face of uncertainty? You cast your bread upon the waters. Okay, I have this unique... Um, it's kind of weird, I think, but I think it's a gift. I have a very neat, weird, physical gift. I think everyone in my family is jealous. I think they actually resent me for it, especially when we have the, a stomach virus or a real bad flu run through the family because there's something about my unique gift that makes me separate and different and unique and special, apart from my family. I don't know how else to say it, so I'm just going to say it. I don't throw up. I don't. I've only thrown up one time in my whole life. That's when I was six years old because it was a bad burrito from school. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Soggy bread, especially if it's white bread, water-logged bread, oh. <laughs> Just thinking about it right now brings on a reflex that I don't experience at all. I want to gag. Do you see what's happening here? God is calling you in the midst of uncertainty. In the midst of uncertainty, cast your bread on the water. Do you see how risky this is? Yes, it's risky. It's impossibly risky. Bread on water, everyone knows what water does to bread, but look how impossible it is, for you will find it. Find what? The bread. After many days. Did you catch that? After many days. It doesn't, you drop bread and water, what does it take? Until it's just a gagging yuckiness. 
quickly, right? After many days, it will come back. You see what's happening here? Finding bread after many days is impossible stuff when you cast it on the water. And what you're to do amidst uncertainty is actually to do the impossible. You're actually to still cast your bread. You're actually to do what you know to do. You're actually to go forward. In the face of uncertainty, this passage is saying, go forward. Cast your life. Cast, which is what bread represents. Life. Cast your whole life on the water in the face of uncertainty. Live boldly, the text says. How should you live amidst the uncertainties of life? Look at the answer from verse 2. It's crystal clear. Live boldly, not boneless. Give a portion to seven or to eight, or for, for you do not know what disaster may happen on earth. This verse is all about risk. This passage is all about risk in life and still doing life. The context is you've been given a life. You've been given relationships. You've been given gifts and talents and abilities. You've been given various life events. You've been given a work and a calling. You've even, in the face of disaster, and what you've been given, the text is saying, do with it. Do your life amidst it all. Give your life energy to the life that's been given to you, the text is saying. And so interpreters go, that's what the meaning is. But other interpreters say, no, this is talking about giving to the poor. This is talking about being a gift for others. This is talking about giving a portion to seven, which is, it represents a complete number. Eight, complete plus one. This is about being a gift for others. This is about giving yourself to others in need, giving yourself to others, period. And I say, why do you have to pick? It's both. It's a double entendre. It can mean either one. That's why people are conflicted about it. It's all about doing life with the life you've been given. Give yourself away. Decrease. Be a gift for others. Perhaps Jesus had this in mind when Peter came to him and was asking, you know, Jesus, how many times do I got to forgive those who sin against me? And then he was actually thinking he was being incredibly gracious and generous, and he says, seven times, Jesus? And Jesus said, Peter, you are called to risk in life. So yeah, seven times 70. Life is a risk. With the life you've been given, give your life energy to it. Go forward. Give yourself away, be a gift for others. In other words, live boldly. How should we live amidst the uncertainties of life? Well, verse 6 is pretty clear, clear, crystal clear, in fact. Live boldly, not boneless. Do you see that? Look at verse 6. In the morning sow your seed. In the evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. This is all about outcomes. This is all about results. This is all about attainments and successes and achievements. This is all about things actually being done, the fruit of our hands, the work of our labors, outcomes. Did you notice, though, that we don't control them? For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Outcomes are the realm of God. Outcomes, successes, accomplishments, achievements are the realm of His work, His doing. Trusting God with outcomes is our realm. It's what we do. 
And when we trust God with the outcome, when we trust God with the results, when we trust God with the attainments and the accomplishments and the achievements and the successes, when we do that, we are free. Freedom comes crashing into your life because you are free to work hard in the morning, sow your seed. You are free to do your best and to go for it. And in the evening, withhold not your hand from work. You are free, and this is what's so phenomenal, you are free to fail. Outcomes of the realm of God, so you are free to fail. You are free to not succeed. You are free to not win. You are free to not attain. You are free to not accomplish. Outcomes are the realm of God. Trusting God with the outcome is our realm. So you have the freedom to leave the results to God. So what do you do amidst uncertain outcomes? You go for it. You work hard. You give it all you got. You give it your best. You leave the results to God. You live boldly. That's what we do. Next, how should we live amidst the uncertainties of life? Well, in verses 1 through 6, there's something that's being said in the most times. It's being said four times. The next repetition is two times. So the most repetition found in this passage is very, very clear in how you're supposed to live. Live boldly, not boneless. Uh, in verses 1 through 6, it said four times, you do not know. 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 Because this passage wants to beat deep into our bones. You do not know. You can't figure it out. You can't fix it. You can't control it. And you can't change it. One season pastor says it this way, you might as well get your nervous breakdown over with. You don't know. Seal, an Old Testament scholar, says the normal, ordinary, everyday, ancient Near Eastern person, quote, lived in a world where they longed to have control and desired to predict what might happen. Many, no doubt, lived like the poor miser that we looked at earlier in Ecclesiastes who hoarded his wealth only to lose it all. They lived in fear of what might happen in their fragile world, and so do we. Everyone in this room is afraid of uncertainty and not being in control. Man, who, who will I marry? Will I marry? Will I ever marry? Will some human being ever, like, really love me? Will I get into Baylor? Will I get into UT? Will I get into A&M or the most prestigious of them all, UMass? Will I? Right. Will we have children? Why am I not changing? When am I going to change? How long will this thick darkness of depression, this thick darkness of suffering last in my life? Will I do well? Will they like me? God, are you going to do this? Are you going to use me? 
Are you going to move in on my loved one? Are you going to help? Are you going to give me what I want? Am I going to get cancer? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to lose my family, my marriage? Am I going to fail? Am I going to experience shame? Every single one of us fear the unknown, uncertainty, and not being in control. So what do you do amidst uncertainty? Sometimes we try to control it. We try to control uncertainty, don't we? So the preacher uses clouds and rain in verse 3, falling trees in verse 3, the human spirit in verse 5 to show us we can't control uncertainty. It's an absolute impossibility to control uncertainty. You might be able to calculate which direction the tree is going to fall, but you don't control it. And once it falls, you can't replant it. You don't have the ability to replant it. When the, when the clouds get enough moisture, they rain. You can't control it. We can't even predict the weather. You know how many times my iPhone, my iPhone was wrong last week? So frustrating. I count on that thing. Especially, you know, when you get this really nice new lawnmower that you just don't want to get, like, ruined. So I don't want to cut soggy grass, right? Some of us this morning need to confess that we're trying to control the uncertainties of our life. And we need to go to the people that are closest to us and say, I'm sorry. I've tried to control and manage you. And I'm sorry for the explosions of anger that occur because I do. Because you get in the way of my control and my management of my world. What do you do amidst uncertainty? Well, sometimes we try to avoid it. So we try to control it. We realize that doesn't work. Well, really, I mean, I still haven't figured that one out. Have you? Or do you avoid it? So the preacher uses wind and he uses farming to show us avoidance never works. It only makes it worse. Do you see that? You don't sow because you're worrying about the wind. So you don't get a crop. You don't reap because you're worrying about the rain hitting your harvest. So you have no crop. You see that? Some of us this morning need to confess that we're trying to avoid the uncertainties of life. We need to confess to the people closest to us that we're missing in action when we're needed most. We're just not there. It's uncertain. We avoid it. We don't move towards it. We don't cast our bread on the water. We don't leave and trust God with the outcomes. We don't, we don't go forward. We avoid it, and we waste time and waste relationships and waste help and waste and waste. Because who knows? Maybe God prospers it, but we never know because we never get in the thick of it. What do you do amidst uncertainty? According to repetition, it's real clear. You submit to uncertainty. You say, I don't know. Four times if you have to. But God, you do. And you live boldly. Okay. This is really, really good stuff from Ecclesiastes. And we all want to be 
bold, not boneless. Okay, who wants to be boneless? We all want this, don't we? How do you get it? Is it just a like, okay, I'm going to crank up the willpower or I'm going to read my Bible more or I'm going to memorize Scripture more, I'm going to find some secret of the Holy Spirit more, and that's how I'm going to finally be a bold person and live boldly. Well, look at verse 5, because the answer's there. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Okay, so we know more than an ancient Near Eastern person about the development of a child, don't we? I think we do. But we still don't understand it. Beyond biology and beyond physiology, we all scratch our head. How does the child's spirit get there? God, says the text. God says the preacher, God. God makes and controls everything. Did you see that word in there? It's one of the most beautiful words in all the Bible. It's called everything. Uh, do you mean everything? What, what, what about everything? No, 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 it can't. The king in Chronicles was so overwhelmed by the reality and the comfort and the power that God controls everything. He said, we, we adore you as being in control of everything. The logic of Ecclesiastes 11 is just so powerful because God controls everything. You can live, bone, you can live bold, not boneless. I mean, watch how this works. Cast your bread upon uncertainty because God controls everything. Take risks because God controls everything. Give it your all. Do your best. Push forward because God's in control of everything. Give yourself away. Be a gift to others because God controls everything. Leave the results, the outcomes to God because God controls everything. Submit to uncertainty because God controls everything. But there's always that little tinge, isn't there? I hear this and I'm all like, yes, God controls everything. Because he's control, I am now empowered to go forward and live boldly. But there's this deep, it's just deep. It's just kind of, it's, like it's like a cramp you get at like the, you know, the fifth mile. And you're just like, uh-oh, I hope this doesn't, nope, this is going to stay and it's getting bigger. It's like a cramp that just starts spreading. And it's like, yeah, he's in control of everything, but is he, is he in control of everything for your good? And the Apostle Paul comes in and he says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And then he says, who or what will separate us from the love of Christ? 
And Ecclesiastes 11 says, not uncertainty. Uncertainty cannot separate you from the love of Jesus. He has bound himself to you. In fact, not only will it not separate you from it, he's, he's in it. He conquered uncertainty. He holds it in his hand. He buried it and he rose with it. He's Lord over it. He is uncertainty. He is your uncertainty. So when Neomoller, the morning that he was, the night that he was arrested, they put him on trial in the morning and he was going before the state as a traitor. He said he woke up that morning and he was filled with terror and loneliness. And he said, what's going to become of me? What's going to become of my family? What's going to become of the church? He actually said, what tortures await us all? The guard that was leading him to the trial was stone-faced and silent as a rock. They exited a tunnel. They started ascending a final flight of stairs before they go into the courtroom, and he heard a whisper. <laughs> and it was from the guard. And as they were going by, he just whispered into his ear. He whispered these words, The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it and are safe. Safe. And Nehemiah said, boldness, <laughs> power was infused into his being. God controls everything, but he does so in love because Jesus proved it. So cast your bread upon the wall. Leave the results or the outcomes to God. Give it your all. Face life. Go forward. Spend yourself. Do life. Try. Go forward. Take risks. 